0: Welcome to After the Buzzer, a weekly sports podcast where we talk about sports and, and stuff, stuff we, we care, care about. about. I'm your host, Brian Carroll, along with T.J. Watkins. And we've got a couple of topics we want to bring to you today to get your thoughts on. Uh, in fact, we always are interested in your thoughts, so send those along anytime. Um, but first off, we've got Aaron Judge, who is sitting at 60 home runs right now. He's chasing mm-hmm. the uh, all-time American League record held by fellow Yankee Roger Maris of 61. But he's also possibly sort of kind of chasing uh, at least the shadow of Barry Bonds, who has the all-time record of 73. And so our purpose in our conversation this afternoon is to figure out just where does he rank all-time and how does one make a case for that ranking, whatever you think he does rank in the all-time pantheon of greatest sports campaigns by a baseball player. And so i just going to, TJ, I want to get your reaction to that general right. question right I have to give you this Rundown of his stats okay. as we sit right now. He's in Toronto for Game Three of that set. He's got sixty home runs. He's got one hundred twenty-eight RBI. He's got. He, let me put it this way. He is first in the following categories: home runs, RBI, runs, wins over replacement, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS plus percentage. In fact, twice the the major league or sorry MLB average for OPS plus. A first in total bases, first in extra base hits, and right now, first in batting average. He's chasing the Triple Crown. How many Triple Crown winners have won the home run title? I don't even know. Zero. So this would be a first in baseball history. But the question for us is, where does he rank and how do we do that work?
1: What, what do you think? Well, with those numbers, you make me sound like I created my own baseball player and threw him in real life. Right. Honestly. But... I mean, when you put it in that regard, I guess not many sports experts have really talked about those numbers because they're so caught up with the like, they're so caught up with the home run record. We're talk, we're caught up with comparing him to the Barry Bonds, to the Salsas, the McGuire's, and the Babe Ruths. We're so caught up with the spectacle that we're witnessing that we haven't really boiled down how significantly like great these numbers are.
0: Yeah, and so to get to the question and it looks like we're going to use a little bit more time than uh, maybe we allotted for each of these topics, so that's okay. (laughs) Uh, I do want to say this. Barry Bonds played during the PED era. So what do we do with 73 knowing he was juicing, right? And the same for McGuire and Sosa. So that has to be accounted for one way or the other. All right, Uh, further down the list, he's sitting at Babe Ruth right now. Well, Babe Ruth never had to face black pitching, and there were Negro leaguers in his era who were, had every reason to be in the major leagues except their skin color. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with a Babe Ruth who didn't have to play against the best players of his era, right? And so if we do some of that work, uh, I'll finish out our, our uh, time allotment on this particular topic and we'll move over to, the, to, to yours, TJ's, TJ. Uh, and that is OPS+. That's where I think we really get a lock on how good his season has been. Mm-hmm. At twice the major league average, he's at 217, something like that, um, and the Major League Average is indexed at 100. Um, if you take the top, there have been 13,400 seasons by players to compare him to. He's in the top 25, just raw number. Now if you subtract PEDs, that's about you know 8 to 15 players. If you take out shortened seasons, that's Soto, that's Bagwell. If you take out uh, not having faced... Black athletes. That's another 15. He's in the top five, just mm-hmm. raw statistical uh, comparisons.
1: And like you also said early, like he's doing this against like talented pitchers. He's doing this against pitchers that normally throw 100 miles per hour fastballs or high 90 mile per hour sliders, and sub 90 changeups and curves. You know, what I'm saying? like a vast majority of the pitchers that he's facing has a arsenal of pitches that they're using against them he's faced them all
0: that's right so Babe Ruth is in a league of 12 teams he's facing one pitcher a game judge will face two three four five pitchers a game probably all five of them pitch 95 plus there's going to be a wicked slider in there somewhere Mm -hmm. you know for a guy who's six seven and knees are. you know what I'm saying yeah so yeah I think we can agree this is a season for the ages well hey let's switch topics and talk about something dear to uh, T.J.'s heart, the Pro Bowl.
1: Yeah, so the Pro Bowl has been something as a kid that I grew up watching, and it's something you love to watch because you saw your favorite players go up against your favorite players. Basically, you seen your favorite quarterback, you seen wide receivers going against the best wide receivers, or wide receivers both against the best DBs, offensive line, and defensive line, and then it was actually a competitive game. And it was to the point to where like they played like it was something more at stake than just being there. So the Pro Bowl has been being played since 1951 and as of last week the NFL has made the decision to no longer make it a full padded game or to make it a padded game. So now the Pro Bowl is going to be a week long competition or kind of like fan interaction, fan experience with the replacement of a flag football game.
0: That's Okay, going to how be is that
1: not so incredibly boring nobody watches? And it's it's even I think it's hard to really pinpoint How much better or how worse it can be just because of how the past few years of the Pro Bowl has been, like how bad it's been over a course of a weekend to the point to where like they have to force us to watch the Bleacher Report or ESPN has to force us force us to watch dodgeball highlights. Yeah,
0: so this is a fix for a problem. So what's the problem?
1: The problem is that players are not wanting to play in the Pro Bowl really because of high end contracts. They don't want to get injured. They don't want to lose money. And really, what they don't have anything to gain. Like they have a cash ins- cash incentive, but besides that, what do, you, what do you go to Vegas or Hawaii for? What
0: well, you- see, that's what okay, so back in the day, mm-hmm. if I can use that, that expression, and at my age, I <laughs> think I can. Back in the day, the Pro Bowl was a chance for NFL players who weren't participating in the Super Bowl to take their families out to Hawaii for a vacation. And oh yeah, by the way, they do a little exhibition game in there somewhere. And as you pointed out, for fans, for us, it was a chance to see your favorite—in my case, quarterback Dan Marino—throw uh, to the best receivers in the game, not on his team, Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, on his team. But I wanted to see him throw to Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. You know, this was that chance. Flag football. So, the yeah. So is you. You were mentioning we were talking about this uh, before the podcast started. And we can finish out with this uh, this thought and that is what's really going on
1: so what's really going on is the federation of american football has been pushing for flag football to be an olympic sport and they're pushing for it to be in the 2028 olympic games that is set to be held in los angeles so with the nfl being a strong advocate for flag football the past couple of years for them to implement it as a big as the main event for the now pro bowl games Might be what they're trying to aim for is to aim to globalize it more, gain more popularity, gain more steam with flag football. So by the time the 2028 Olympic Games come around, it is established, it is here, it has been proven, and is something that's going to be the new revelation or new evolution of what american football can stand for that's that's
0: really interesting very so so do you think this has to do ultimately with ect and and brain injury
1: i feel like it does i feel like nobody wants their kids playing football at the age of six seven eight years
0: old but the gateway drug could be flag football
1: and yeah that's definitely the gateway drug that's definitely like you can keep your kids off off, the, off helmets and shoulder pads, probably wait till they're in high school, or anything like that, while they still get the full, authentic American football experience almost? Why not?
0: Well, we've taken something that seems absolutely stupid and foolish, and you've just explained why it could be a really brilliant, strategic, global move by the NFL. So Detective Watkins on the crime scene, <laughs> and he's he's caught his suspect. Oh, you already know So it. you heard it here first on After the Buzzer, and that's all the time we have, but we want to hear from you. What do you want to hear us talk about? I know I want to talk about conference realignment and the uh, destruction of college football as we know it. Ha! <laughs> and we'll talk about that. And and you wanted to talk next about?
1: Uh, possibly about the MLB playoffs, what that looks like, any underreactions, overreactions, who we think is going to win, who we think is going to blow, who might win. I don't know. I, I like a lot of conspiracy theories when it comes to that. Oh, that sounds good.
0: So join us for After the Buzzer next week right here. Thank you. Uh, this has been Brian Carroll and,
1: and TJ Watkins.
0: Talking about sports
1: and, and stuff, stuff we, we care about.
0: about. Here we go.